Hi. Hi! I'm Chad Westbrook. And I'm Nicholas Wagoner. And are you a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race? You should be. You very much should be. Come listen and subscribe to our podcast, How Is She Though? Where we recap every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Come and get your daily dose of vitamin gay, honey. Oh, cr- oh, cr- Uh, hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, Gregory Tukulescu. Hello. I wasn't sure if to go with Greg or Gregory, because uh, I think I call you Greg. Uh, yeah, but, well, most people call me Greg. Yeah. I, the only people, I think my mom, when she's mad, yeah, might call Greg. me Gregory, yeah. and uh, I had a professor in college that insisted on calling me Gregory, even though I asked her not to. Yeah. Makes she just kept doing it. That's like a... I don't know. Mm. I had a French teacher in high school uh, insist to call me Stefan. Like, my name is Steven. She's like, oh, but I call you Stefan. Still to this day, Miss Lindbergh, if you're out there. But she was a French teacher, so she yeah. was trying to just Frenchify your name. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a lot of issues with that. I was a very angry, <laughs> angry high school student. Um, so, Greg, I'm yeah. just going to tell you right away, uh, I usually post up who I'm going to have as a guest. Um, you got the most questions out of anybody. I just say, like, hey, if you have questions, send them my way. You got the most questions out of any guest so far. Um, most of them are uh, were sexual in nature. Uh, and just, like, so let's just get this out there. Um, do you have a girlfriend? Are you single? What's going on? <laughs> uh, I, guess I am uh, I'm single right now. now. Oh, that's a thing uh, I'm here. Yeah. So, yes, I am uh, single. Okay. So I hope that as soon as this posts, a lot of women ask you out. Okay. <laughs> Well, we'll see. I really doubt that'll happen, but you never know. From your mouth to women's ears, <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I. Yeah, I have control over what they do. Um, so, I guess uh, I want to. I guess start talking like early life comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I I read. Thank you, Internet. That you're a son of a Romanian immigrant, and that you grew up in Saudi Arabia. Is that right? On a military base in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Yes. It what did. the hell, man? Uh, well, my, my dad is Romanian. Um, Mm -hmm. he, uh, he met my mom at a disco in Queens. Um, and, uh, he's a structural consulting engineer. So he did a lot of consulting work for various international firms. So we moved around a lot when I was a kid and Mm -hmm. I lived for a little while in the Netherlands, um, and then moved to Saudi Arabia where I spent, I'd say I was there till I was in like sixth grade, okay. uh, fifth, fifth, sixth grade. Um, so a good chunk of my childhood was in the middle of nowhere in Saudi Arabia, but it was awesome Yeah, for a kid. It was great. It was like living on a, it was like living on a country club kind of Okay, like the Saudi government had set up this like military base that the Americans were helping them build. Sure. And then there was an American compound within this Saudi military city, I suppose okay. uh, you would call it. A city and, within a city. Yeah. And uh, it was fenced in and it was like three and a half square miles, but they had like a, they had like a 
pool, they had an indoor gym, they had like an arts and crafts center, a rec center with video games and movies That's and great. shit they would play. And so it was like, yeah, I mean, kids just had free, there were like 500 families or something there and then kids could just do whatever, whatever the hell they wanted and there was no worries about, there was literally no crime there or anything. So it was just like, go out till nine o'clock and then come home when you're tired. And That's cool. Yeah. I think, I think my parents did that too, but there's probably crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when I came back, it was a big shocker because uh, I was like, "All right, mom, I'm gonna go out," and she's like, "No, you're not. You no, we're me? in we're in New Jersey. Oh wow, this we're in a middle class suburb in New Jersey. You might get I don't know what she thought was what gonna stuff, happen. Bad stuff. Yeah, that's gotta be weird. Like going opposite of the like direction and curfews. Like you can go out later, and then like as you get older, suddenly you have to be. Like, yeah, I suddenly was like I couldn't go, and it was so weird coming back too because everybody was like Nintendo had just hit, mm. so so many kids were like play, wanted to play Nintendo, and I was so used to playing outside, and I didn't I didn't want to play Nintendo. I wanted to like go outside and play, and all these kids were like, "Man, it's good, Super Mario. We're gonna stay in and play." Yeah, that's so. I was a fat kid. Oh, fat really? Kid. You're a fat kid. I, was a fat kid. I remember. You, I remember you saying that before, and I still don't buy it because you're very. You look. You look like you've always been lean. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that looks like. I'll I, be honest. I, I was a. I was a fat kid through like the latter half of elementary school and part of most of middle school, I would mm. say. And then I kind of slimmed up yeah. around eighth grade. I Get grew that, like six inches and stuff. But sure. yeah, I was a fat. I was definitely a fat kid. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, okay. I brought it up. Yeah. And and I just laughed at it. Um, so I guess like, uh, do you have a, you weren't, you weren't like going into comedy for like most of your life or career, right? I mean, you were planning, go, you tell me. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Um, I'm not tell you I, that. uh, well, I can't remember like when I was a kid, I don't remember I don't remember what I thought I wanted to be. You know, like most kids are like, oh yeah, I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be like a lawyer when I was a kid or I wanted to be an astronaut or something mm-hmm. like that. And I don't, I don't ever remember thinking like, oh, I want to be this. Yeah. Um, but when I did think that I was in college and I thought I wanted to be a professor um, of comparative literature. And so <laughs> I like, <laughs> I really, uh, I was, um, I, I didn't, I didn't have the like normal college experience. Like I, I drank a lot in high school and partied a bunch in high school. And then when I got to college, I was like, I'm going to be serious. I want to be a professor. I'm going to study and not have any sort of life. Um, so I, uh, I did that. And then I had a professor sit me down and he was like, you don't want to do this. You don't want to be a professor. And I was like, why? And he's like, cause you'll, you'll never make any money. You'll end up having to teach in some podunk college in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Um, and it, you're just don't do it. And he looked at me like, you don't want my <laughs> life. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. okay. And that scared me enough to not want to go, oh, no. uh, be a professor. So I went into publishing instead and I worked for a small educational publishing company, yeah. uh, in Jersey for a while. And, um, I loved the people I work with, but I didn't like the job sure. itself. Um, and I just realized that I didn't want to be behind a desk. And I took, I took my first improv class in two thousand and four. Well, wait, sorry, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you even know improv existed? 
Oh, uh, well, I didn't really. I like, um, I mean, I had seen Whose Line Is It Anyway. Sure. But I didn't, has. yeah, and I didn't know, I so I'd seen it in college, and I actually saw a, a short form improv group. I actually don't know if they were short form, but it was at, I went to Rutgers University, okay. and um, Chris Gethard, who's another UCB guy, was in a short form. I think it was a short form group. It might have been a long form group with um, Chicago City Limits. A guy. I don't. Know, no? I don't think it was Chicago City Limits, okay. but it was with a guy named uh, Jamie Rivera, and he sort of ran this improv group. And I saw them perform at the Cabaret Theater at Rutgers, mm-hmm. and I was like blown away by just the ability to make up some like because I had done a few plays towards the end of high school and yeah. stuff. I was never a huge actor, but. Um, I was just shocked by somebody's ability to make up dialogue on the spot. And I remember thinking, like, that is terrifying. I could never do that. You know, I I gotta tell you, I I honestly, and I think I was predestined to get to improv, but I honestly believed, like, movies, uh, even though I knew, like, writers existed, I honestly believed that it was more like actors kind of just going up and being themselves and coming up with funny stuff and great stuff, and then the movie would just kind of come out of that. Oh, so you like, didn't even think they were writers? No, I knew there were writers. Like, and I still like for a long time. I just I didn't I didn't think of it the right way. Like in, in a college in a college paper, like my very first screenwriting class, we had to read a screenplay. I think I still have it from when Harry met Sally. I read the screenplay from when Harry met, Harry met Sally, and I remember writing as, as like my report on it. I was like, I can't believe that so many of the lines from the movie are in the script. <laughs> so I was the complete opposite of you and a fucking moron. <laughs> well, no, I mean I think that uh, it's. Uh, now it's far less that's far less of an unusual thing to think because sure. so many movies are now there is a lot of improv that happens in TV and movies yeah. especially in comedy stuff um, but there are still you know those people who certainly write down every word and <laughs> yeah. I was one of those people when I saw that you know that improv show I was like that's that's crazy because I, I didn't yeah. even you know I remember how much time I would spend just trying to memorize my you know three lines in a high school play yeah I'm like oh, I can't get this right I can't mess it up yeah um, so yeah I so, was pretty shocked by that so you hop in you hop into UCB you take your first class in 2004 mm-hmm. um, and and from 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 what I understand of you is you've had like you did like a lot of classes like like you got into it really hard is that I definitely did yeah I mean I. Yeah, I think I took. I think I've taken more classes than anyone ever at the UCB. Okay, uh, that's a little, I might, <laughs> that's a bold statement. Yeah, I would put that challenge out there to to anyone at the UCB because I did when I came up. We didn't have the sort of standard curriculum that we have now. Right. Um, it was a different. They had like um, level one, level two, and then they had like three A, three B, and then four. I can't. I can't remember exactly how it went, but. Um, uh, you could be an intern and take uh, free classes. Right. And uh, But when I was an intern, they didn't have a limit, really, on the number of classes that you could take. Uh, and I guess they just <laughs> assumed that no one would really abuse it. Sure. And But I really abused, abused it, it big time. I think I took, I took a lot of... a lot of classes while I was an intern. And I was yeah. an intern for about... A year and a half, I think. So I took quite a few. It's a good amount of classes, time, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, well, looking back on it, do you do you think like that there was a benefit to that, like uh, you know, getting multiple points of view, or just kind of drilling it a lot? Or, 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know, um, I feel like I definitely got better faster because when I started, I was not, not good. Yeah. I was definitely not good. I loved it, but I wasn't good. I think I was a very, I still might be guilty of this, but I was, I know I was a very selfish improviser. I was always like, well, my idea is better than your idea. (laughs) Sure. Um, and I would default to accents all the time. I was just like, I can do accents pretty well. And I, that was my thing. I would just, every scene I went into, I would do some kind of accent and that I would just be like, well, people are laughing because I'm doing an accent. So there you go. Not realizing that I wasn't paying attention to what anybody else was saying or doing. And I was just like, listen to me in my funny accent. Yeah. Um, but I had a couple of teachers that, that, um, tried to break me of that habit. I I still probably do more accent stuff than I should. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to think I've gotten slightly better. Uh, I believe you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely helped. And I, I get a lot of questions from students and they say, you know, um, they, they want to know like how much work you kind of have to put into it to get good at this stuff. Yeah. And it's a hard question to answer because I, I asked Eugene how many shows I have to do to get on a Herald team. And oh, I was like, right. I, I just tell me the number. He didn't. So, how many shows do I have to do to get on the <laughs> I don't know. I remember, oh, damn it. I remember asking, well, it's not a quantifiable thing like that, but I did ask, I remember asking Billy Merritt after my first, uh, I think it was like the equivalent of 401, I guess. I took it with Billy the first time, and after the class, I was that guy that would just like always after class, I'd go up to Billy and be like, so, uh, Billy, listen, I just, uh, I have a question, uh, and of course, you know, he was very... Uh, he was always very nice and helpful, but I, I know now that he was probably like, oh, man, you just need to chill out and just practice. Just yeah. don't worry about it so much. Um, but I asked him, I was like, so, you know, I, I've been doing this, we've been doing Harold's and like, how long do you think it takes before you like really have a good handle on this stuff? Uh, and he, he was like, oh, probably after you've, you've done about 500 probably. And I was like, 500? Five. And he was like, how many have you done at this point? I was like, 10? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, there. so 500 in front of a live audience. <laughs> and I was like, and I thought he was joking around. I was like, yeah, yeah okay. And so like he, 12, I need to do 12? <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't really joking. Yeah. He wasn't really joking. I mean, you need to do, you really do need to do a lot of performing in front of an audience yeah. before you get uh, really good at this stuff. And that's another thing that... Um, that I was doing at the same time. I think I was in like five different practice groups and like indie teams and stuff that were performing at various places in New York. Yeah. And I would just try to get on stage as much as I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're, you came into the scene, I guess it's still fairly young. I mean, what UCB had only been around three, four, five years or something like that in New York. When yeah. you started, and you know, yeah. I mean, what's what's? Weird. I just kind of, I'm kind of always kind of curious about uh, UCB history because I'm kind of nerdy like that. But um, like, what was what was the, the environment like uh, those earlier years when you got into it? Uh, well, I think it was just I got in just before the like big boom yeah. happened. You know, like I think I got on just as Amy. I got into the theater just as Amy was getting had gotten on SNL. Okay, I think, and then a year or two later, um, Rob Riggle got on SNL, and then 
uh, Hubel and Shear and Aziz got Human Giant. Right. And then there were just a number of people who had some success uh, out of the theater. And that's when the theater really, like, took off. Yeah. And they, you know, they the school really took off big time. Um, and I, I think I got in just before that. Um, so the people who, like, for example, when I first started... Lennon Parham, uh, Brett Christensen, um, Anthony King, uh, Zach Woods, Joe Wengert, Sarah Burns, and I, if I'm forgetting anybody from that team, uh, I apologize, but they were on a team called Dillinger that was like the new team on Harold Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had been formed as a team just as I started. Yeah. And they were like the... They became instantly like a Harold Knight hit. They were a great team. Sounds like, sounds like a great right, team. Yeah, it was an amazing team right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so those were the guys who were like just, um, you know, like a, a, a year or two ahead of me. Yeah. Um, and I was, my teachers were, I had like Owen Burke, Billy, um, uh, who else? Seth Morris. Uh, uh, who else did I have? Definitely Anthony King. I had a lot of teachers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Michael Delaney. Okay. He's a big New York teacher. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So a lot of those guys were the people that I um, learned from who are now... I don't think a lot of them even teach anymore. A few of them do. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, So you you said you're on, like, a lot of teams. You're taking a lot of classes. Mm -hmm. uh, Just kind of performing wherever you can. Um, I'm just kind of curious, like, personally... What the process was like for you, like were there mo- like were there like things like every now and then like I feel like oh this start thing thing is like starting to click like I kind of understand this like one thing and like I don't know were there were there moments like that for you where you're like I think I'm good at this or I'm getting re- like I'm really I don't know yeah definitely I I realized I can't remember what teacher said this to me at what point but um when I was taking a lot of classes and doing a lot of this stuff there's when you first go through all those levels, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your head and you're, you're trying to process so much, you yeah. know, like you're in a scene going, who am I? Where am I? What's going on? What's, What's the, the game? game? Uh, am, am I playing the game? Object work what, what, yeah. Am I doing <laughs> enough object work? Uh, and I had, um, somebody told me to just break it down and start focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. Like be work on just identifying who you are to each other. Yeah. If it's not identified in the initiation, be that person that's going to identify that in the scene. And just do that for mm-hmm. a lot of scenes. Do that for your next hundred scenes. And then worry about where you are and work on it. So it's just like breaking it down to sort of focus on that stuff and just get it into your, yeah. into your, I guess, muscle memory, so to speak. But yeah. they, um, but I do remember I had a breakthrough moment when I was on a Harold team after like, <laughs> I was on a Harold team for a few months and... I had a moment where I was in a scene and I had a bad day mm-hmm. and I was just like, I kind of didn't even want to be performing. And I went into a scene with probably a pretty shitty attitude. I went into the whole show with a shitty attitude because I'd had a bad day, but sure. um, I went in and I was just like, fuck it. I'm not even going to try to, I'm just, I don't think I made the conscious decision to like react as myself, Yeah, but I just was totally myself. Didn't try to put on any kind of a character, didn't do any kind of a, accent no, yeah, no accent did no, i just <laughs> reacted honestly to what this person was saying and 
the scene went probably better than any other scene I had done before. Yeah. And I, it was when I finished that show, it was like a huge revelation to me. I was like, oh, you were just yourself yeah. reacting honestly in that scene. And it went fine. Yeah. Like that you can do that. Yeah. That's something, that's an option. And I realized that before I was never really, I never really had that as an option for myself. And then once, once I had that scene in that show, I was like, okay, no, yeah, that's a thing. That, that's, a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I feel like, um, like I, I feel like at certain points and just, and this is a different iteration of that, but at a certain point, like you realize like, oh, I don't need to be trying to kill somebody in a scene or like, you don't need to, you can just sort of like be yourself. And I, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that that's like a big revelation because I feel like now, and just like in your coaching style, uh, I've coached you several times, um, like that's like your thing is like the, the you of the scene. And, um, yeah, yeah I think so. Cause it's, I guess it was such a big realization for me. Yeah. I, I was, when I realized that I was like, uh, you know, I, I remember talking about it with some other people and they were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. But it was not that apparent to me. To me, I was like, I, what? Really? You guys all knew that? I didn't know that. Um, so when I do, and when I do coach, I feel like I see a lot of people making the same mistake that I was making for so long, you know, where they try so hard to be funny or they feel like they have to put on a character and what they're not, they're not really doing a character. They're doing a caricature. Yeah. So they're, you know, trying to put the character on the floor and point at it and laugh at it and say, look how funny it is instead of really trying to embody it. Right. Um, and I think that one way of cutting through that and getting rid of that behavior is to just be yourself in scenes for a while to, yeah. and then start to layer character on top of that so that you, you get used to the, um, the sort of lack of pressure in playing yourself, you know, like, yeah. you know how you're going to react in situations. So just do that for a while in scenes and then slowly start to put character stuff on top of that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, think it makes it easier than just like jumping right into crazy character stuff. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I feel like, um, being yourself, uh, and just scenes, I think one of the dangers of it, maybe you can speak to mm -hmm. if this ever is a thing for you, but like, I think one of the dangers of it is to easily become detached from the scene or to just comment on it. Uh, and I, and, uh, and actually, and this is, this is uh, no offense at all, but I actually have seen you do that. Well, I've, I've only seen mm -hmm. you do a few shows ever, but like, I remember once I, I was like in a Herald night at, uh, the racket racket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I was like, and I was just like, Greg's being himself, but he's totally just going like, what the fuck is your problem? This is stupid scene. Uh, and yeah. I, you know, whatever. It yeah, happens. yeah, yeah, definitely. And I certainly got noted on that uh, <laughs> after that show, I'm sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I remember Susie Barrett called me out on that one time. She was like, yeah, you should, uh, you should stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, it seems. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's true. That is definitely a pitfall of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I, the reason I focus on it so much with people, um, when they're starting to do improv is because I think it's something that, um, it's, it's very easy. It's harder to learn later on. I think, uh, it's a lesson that I learned a lot later, not because teachers weren't pushing it on me, but just because like it didn't sink in for me. And it was, I, I think a harder lesson to learn for me later. Um, I think it's, you know, I think it almost improv becomes almost immediately more accessible to you when you realize like, Oh, I don't have to be so nervous thinking about inventing all this stuff. 
I can be more of myself and use what I know. But of course, the caveat to that is you can't just be yourself and be detached from the scene. You have to be yourself, but still be a character in this scene and understand that there's a fourth wall and commit to whatever is happening. Right. Um, I just think it's easier if you make your characters thin veils of yourself initially before you start getting into um, characters that are significantly different from you. Um, in term, in whatever term, age, yeah. you know, gender, uh, point of view, um, it's just. I think it's easier to progress in that way. Sure, which, which is kind of which is uh, an interesting and a completely valid point. Uh, but I, I do, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's also interesting that other schools don't necessarily teach that either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the big things I like about UCB is I. I start. I started at UCB, and then I went over to Second City, and they were like, they were like. Stop playing yourself so much. I'm like, why? I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good at being myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there are definitely you know different schools of thought out there on that. I know I've heard from people that have taken classes on the Groundlings that they focus a lot too on character work and yeah. you know um, they do have. Uh, I have seen some. Uh, I saw that uh, Groundling Sunday Company show, and there were a lot of like. It was a sketch show. So it was a lot of like crazy uh, broad characters and a lot of them were very funny but I think that it's uh, I don't know it's something that I think like very there are not many people who are really great at character work you know like I think that's that's something that's like it's hard to really learn to be really great at character work yeah um but and it, well, because and it's one of those things too. Just I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah, but no. like it's one of those things that you see when you see people who are great at character work. You're mm-hmm. like, do it all the time because it's brilliant. Yeah, it's and it, yeah, but like when it, it is, it is an absolutely rare, you know, one in a thousand talent. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, there, I don't. Yeah, I don't like, know that it's that <laughs> rare, but it's uh, it is certainly. Um, it's not something that everybody excels at, you yeah. know. And I know. Um, uh, you know, an example I give sometime in class is uh, Thomas uh, Middleditch is an improviser who I think is phenomenal at character work. Yeah. He's great. Uh, and he plays a lot of crazy out there characters in his scenes, but they're always they're always believable. You're never watching Thomas do a character where you're like, I don't buy that. Yeah. You buy it because he ha- he's great at it and he has a tremendous level of commitment to it. Um, but... I, you know, I have a lot of students that see that and then they want to mimic that. And it's, it's like, I mean, you can try to go, sure, you can try to go mimic that, but don't beat yourself up if you can't do it. You know, like it's, that's something that is not, not everybody's going to be great at that. Right. And I think different people have different strengths. Uh, And it's sort of like that. I know Billy had an article recently about like pirates, ninjas, and robots. Yeah. Um, But I think that's very true. People have different strengths in improvising. And I think you just gotta, you gotta find your strength. And I think it helps to work those areas where you feel like you're not as strong or not as comfortable for sure. But don't beat yourself up if you don't achieve, you know, the level of character work of somebody you really. Well, and it's one of those things too, like playing, playing to your strengths, I think helps you get comfortable to the chance where like, to the point where like, I remember, I remember for a long time, just like being uncomfortable in scenes, like just like worrying. And then, 
And then, like, doing characters, it just, in that, that, that would carry over, because, like, oh, I'm uncomfortable, and I'm trying to do a character, and I don't remember what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and then you lose the character, and then you're really mad at yourself because you lost the character, and you're like, what was the voice again? I kind of bring it back, and, like, sure. it turns into a whole thing, so it's, yeah, it's like, you play, you play to your strengths, like, you get a little confidence going, and then, you mm-hmm. know, do whatever, hopefully those things will kind of layer on top of each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, somebody asked a question, Sabrina London, who was just in your 401 class, and is a wonderful improviser. Uh, I like her very much. Uh, she she mentioned she just had kind of a question about um, balancing uh, your 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 very particularly grounded style, uh, your realness with the craziness. Because she mentioned she saw you once paint a, a scarab coming a scarab beetle coming out of somebody's neck. Uh, I think it was uh-huh. a prostitute's neck, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so like what I mean how how yeah how do you find the balance there? Well, I think that. Uh... And I think I usually mention this when I talk about playing grounded scenes uh, when I'm teaching that you're not – playing something grounded doesn't mean that you can't be, you know, on the back of a dragon chasing down the last unicorn. Yeah. Uh, it Good just thing. means that you have to make me believe that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you don't sit there and watch Lord of the Rings and go, I don't buy it. <laughs> just don't buy it. Right. Um, you know, if weird, crazy things can happen in improv scenes – uh, they just have to be believable. You have to commit to that craziness and find whatever justification you need to find if you need to find it. Uh, and you need to play the reality of that world, whatever it may be. Um, so I don't necessarily think that grounded means uh, you. it has to be real in terms of uh, mirroring actual reality in some way. It mm-hmm. just needs to... Um, it needs to be believable even in its craziness. That's a great way of looking at it. I hope, I think that answers the question perfectly. Cool. Great. You did a good job, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then I guess, I, I, I want to talk to you because I, I really love, I, you know, I think you have a unique style being able to be so grounded. So like, that's something I want to talk to you a little bit about some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, um, you actually, you act too, which mm-hmm. is, a. uh, I think a job that a, a fair amount of people who do improv are looking for. Sure. Um, and you, with that grounded style though, I think like, God, that must be super valuable. Uh, I, th- I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I've been very lucky in mm-hmm. some of the things that I've gotten to be a part of. Um, I don't know how great of an actor I am. I never really, I never studied acting. Um, right. Which is, which I, is surprising. I remember when you said you t- when I heard that from you, I was like, What? Come on. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, most of the acting stuff I learned was through improv, you yeah. know, and I I was fortunate enough to have, you know, some really great improv teachers who did focus a lot on playing things believably and realistically and committing and things like that. Um, so I, I think you can... I think you can become a, a decent actor via improv, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just getting on stage and being in a performance... Uh, helps you, I think, to become a better actor. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I I don't think I'm any great kind of actor. And I actually don't think I'm kind of a terrible auditioner. Sure. Because I get I get very nervous when I audition. Really? I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, that's fair. I mean, yeah. but the the thing is, though, you I don't know. You're you are a. I, I hate to. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to push you too much on this one. But really, you are you are a strong actor. You come off. As believable. And, like, I remember, actually, before I knew you, uh, the first time I ever saw you, 
uh, was on The Office, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was an episode, and I was just like, and I'm, I remember like looking at the, you, and I'm like, I've seen this. This guy must have been around forever now. Like, he looks just familiar and fun, and like, mm-hmm. and he like cl- like clearly fits in in that environment of people who are playing pretty grounded, real, normal mm-hmm. stuff. And I, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I, I guess, but most like, of that comes through improv. You know, it's like it's just most of the acting stuff I've learned has come through improv. And I did take, uh, I took a scene study class, which was actually very helpful out here. Uh, and I think I'm going to try to take some more because I do feel like, um, I would like to do more acting, but I don't, I feel out of my depth when I'm doing any kind of anything outside of comedy. I feel instantly outside of my depth because I'm like, I don't know. I'm sure there are things I'm supposed to be thinking of here that a trained actor would know how to do. And I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, and that, that, that office bit was certainly fun. It was really, it was good, it was, it was funny, was fun. uh, and, uh, yeah, just, like, in the, in the, like, the very, this like, the subtlety of being, like, yeah, it was just, like, the subtlety of, like, from you, the subtlety of being mad at Jim, uh, for whatever it was, it was just, like, it was just, like, really, like, understated, like, yeah, I know, I know who you are. Nice trying to like, and it was, I don't know, I loved it. Uh, yeah, you don't have more to say about uh, speaking, being grounded and normal. That's fine. I, I won't, I won't harp on it. No, I, I, um, I, uh, not, not really. <laughs> I think I've said what I have to say about being grounded and normal. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's, oh, well, we kind of skipped a little chunk of history. Uh, you, you got, you were on, you were on like a bunch of, uh, New York Herald teams, a couple, a few. I was on a few, yeah. Um, what, what was that process like? Getting on the team, being on the team. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned having a revelation. I feel like a lot of people have that, like being on a Herald team. Actually, like people think they're good or okay or whatever, and then another thing clicks in being on a Herald team. I think so. I mean, a Herald team obviously gives you a chance to perform in uh, a more you know. There's more pressure on you because you know that people are watching you and there are a bunch of students that are going to be judging you and, you know, even teachers who are going to be watching and seeing like, okay, does this person deserve to be on a Herald team? Do they belong here? And, you know, you kind of know all that stuff in the back of your head. So it's, it is really trial by fire in that way. And you do, I think when you first get on a Herald team, there is a lot of learning that you do in that initially being on a Herald team. Um, As far as the process of getting on a Herald team, I, it was slightly different when I was coming up. Yeah. Um, you auditioned? And I did audition. I, I initially, when I was coming up through classes, they didn't, you didn't have to totally finish a class right. before you started another class. So I would, I was starting like the equivalent of 201 a week before my 101 had even ended. And yeah. then I took, started 301 like a week before my 201 had ended. And I just like breezed through all the levels yeah. and then started taking, I think I took them, a bunch of them over again. Um, and, uh, I auditioned the first time I was eligible to audition. And I think it must have been like, it was in 2004, I think probably around October or November or something like that. And I had only been doing improv for, I don't know, at that point, like not even six, maybe six months, seven months. And I honestly thought going into the audition, I was like, got this, (laughs) got this. And I realized, looking back on it, I was like, you did not have that. they, They had... They should. Uh, they did the absolute right thing in not putting you on a team um, after your first audition. And 
Um, then I auditioned again next year and I still didn't get on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they had a couple of invite auditions, um, in New York, how like halfway through there would be people who'd be cut or teams Mm -hmm. or what have you. And then they would have invite auditions where they would invite people who were in advanced levels or based on teacher recommendations and stuff. And I think it was on my like third or fourth audition that I got on a team. Nice. Um, but it was fairly fast because I think I started in 2004 and I was on a team by 2000. Six, I mm. think. So it took about two years. Yeah, I think before I was that's on pretty, fast. That's pretty yeah. fast. it's it. It wasn't fast back then. Not but fast it is, for you. It is fast <laughs> now. No, I mean in general, like I knew people who came through and got on a team, oh, sure, you know, yeah. within like a year, year. Yeah, it's less populated. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but now I know that that's that's pretty normal for yeah. somebody for to take about two years. Um, and then you you uh, uh like tantrum fond. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I don't think I've ever asked anybody like about this. Um, did you, was there a, a down like tantrum? Did you get moved? Did you get disassembled? We, uh, tantrum was a brand new team. I think that formed like of all new improvisers. Sure. Uh, and I was on tantrum for about six months. And then yeah. there was a vacancy on a team called Mailer Damon, which mm-hmm. was the anchor team at the time. Yeah. Um, and I think I had a bunch of friends who were on Mailer Damon mm-hmm. and they, we're in a position where I think they asked, like, hey, can we have Greg Tugulescu from Tantrum? Oh, cool. um, so I got a call from Anthony, I think, and he was like, hey, would you like to be on uh, Mailer Damon, which will probably become a new team? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like being on Tantrum. Uh, I just, it was a total... You want to be with your Like, friends. I wanted to be, well, I mm-hmm. was friends with a lot of those people, and I also knew that they were, like the best team on Harold Knight sure. at the time. And I was like, sure, why not? And they were all, they had all been on Harold Knight for a long time. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to do that. Um, and then we changed that team name to Fwand. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we had, Fwand had a great run. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You never, so you, do you never got disassembled then? Uh, no, I, I, I was never really, uh, yeah, I never really got cut from Harold Knight. I left Harold Knight because I came out here to do a pilot season. So right. after I was on Fwand for about a year and a half, I left I left Fwand. And then when I came back to New York, I was put on a team called People People. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Wait, was that... Sorry, was that here or there? I was in New York. Okay, Because I went back, I came back. And when I was here in LA, I played with uh, a Herald team called Hey Uncle Gary mm-hmm. for a little while while I was out here. Um, and then I went back and was on this team People People. And then... Uh, I think it was a similar situation. Like I had a bunch of friends that were on a team called the law firm and they asked me to join that team. And I went over to that team yeah. and then I left New York just as the law firm was becoming a weekend team. Yeah. Uh, and then I came here and it was very different. It was two years later yeah. and it was very easy to get on stage in 2008 here coming from New York. It was like, people were like, yeah, sure. Come on. And yeah, I think uh, that changed quite a bit because there was just so much interest in L.A. And it's really not fair to have New York people just come and take spots that that L.A. people are working hard towards as well. You know, so I totally understood that. Um, And then I auditioned for a Herald team out here and got put on the racket. And we had had a fun run for about a year. But then we got, uh, yeah, we were disbanded, I think, after the last round of auditions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I believe you were. I think you did say that you guys had a particularly uh, rough run. I think you. you well, I think we caught to that one. No, we had that. I think we, what we had was we were a bunch of really 
good seasoned improvisers who just like didn't totally gel as a team. You know, it was yeah. taking us a while. And I think we started to gel towards the end. Yeah. But it was just too late at that point. Yeah. You know, like we were, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I can understand why we were, you know, taking off Harold Knight for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I miss that team. They were all fun people to play with. Yeah. It's just, I think our, we, it took us a while to figure out our, our styles and how they were going to Yeah, I only remember seeing a couple of their shows. And I remember thinking, like, God, there's a lot of fun stuff going on. But it's just, what, and, and again, I don't mean to offend you, but, like, yeah, it's like, that was a great show. But there's a lot of fun stuff going on. Yeah. And they had, like, all the makings of it. Yeah, I, I think so. And we were initially trying some pretty ambitious stuff, I think. Yeah. We were trying to do organic openings that weren't really working that well and... Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. That it happens. But now you're on uh, only in LA, right? Yeah, yeah. We're doing. Uh, I think we have a show coming up February seventh. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Only in LA has been great. I don't, what's what's the what's the, the conceit of that one? Uh, basically, we ask the audience for story things that happen to them in LA, sure. uh, and then we do uh, we just improvise off of that, Wonderful. and we generally get like three or four stories from the audience. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's a fun time. So go check that out. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, uh, I've heard uh, I've heard you speak about this idea, uh, and Sabrina also asked about this uh, of like being your best, the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, can, can you tell me a little bit like what that means to you and like how that comes in? Is that going to turn into like playing yourself in a scene again? Uh, it, oh, I mean, it kind of is. It yeah. sort of is. I think. Um, this is another thing I'm sure I heard from a teacher down the line. I can't remember exactly who. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also goes hand in hand with uh, playing to the top of your intelligence as well. Uh, playing the best version of yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think just bringing that into whatever character you're playing. Um, and I think that um, what goes along with that too is that you can be, in improv scenes, you can also be that person that you wish you could be in real life. And I think we all have these things where, you know, we get into situations in life where we're like, man, I wish I could say this right now, but that would not be socially acceptable. Yeah. But in a in uh, an improv scene, you can absolutely say that thing. Yeah. Because uh, it's an improv scene. Um, so you could sort of, you can sort of be that person you wish you could be. Um, or the you could say those things you wish you could say in real life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that in my scenes, I'm really saying shit that I actually would want to say in real life. Um, but it's an option you have, you know, yeah. um, for sure. Just kind of take the, uh, the sensor off. The, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Being socially acceptable. Or sure. Whatever. And also just like- trying to think too, in terms of, um, like going back to character work a little bit for a second. Um, one thing that helped me with my character work is thinking about people in my life. You know, like we all know people in our lives we would consider characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my I have an aunt that's pretty out there. I have an uncle who's pretty out there. Yeah. Um, my dad is certainly a character. Um, so I, when I go to play characters, I know how they think about stuff and I know how they reason and I know how they think, basically. So I use a lot of that stuff when I'm in improv scenes um, because... I'm, that's what I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with those points of view because they're just part of my life. And I don't think that that's like, that's not cheating in any way. You know, I think the less invention you have to do in a scene, the better. Yeah. So 
Um, speaking of le- less invention you have to do, the better. Um, I've also heard you say that there's, I think you did say this, that there's like not an excuse for stepping out in the scene without like a premise initiation. I think I've heard you say that. What do you mean? Like, like it's, it's, there's no, like to step out to start a new scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you I think you've, you've very much been like, you have to have a game in mind. If it, if it doesn't happen, that's fine. But you have to have something at like no, at a certain level. I don't. Know? I hope. I hope I didn't say that. No, I don't. Okay. I don't think I said exactly that. I think right. um, Greg doesn't care if you have uh, games, guys. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Just walk no, out. Be I a think bear. That, I think that it is. It depends on the kind of you know what what has happened. Have you? Are you coming off an opening? If you're coming off an opening, yeah. Um, if you're in a show situation, obviously step out with whatever. It's fine to step out with half an idea and then play. The scene organically. Um, it's obviously ideal to step out with a premise if you've done an opening, mm-hmm. um, so that you can hopefully get to a game faster. Uh, but uh, and I don't think it's essential, but I do think that at a certain point, it's a skill that you should try to develop. Yeah, for sure. Because if it's something that you really uh, are not great at, I think it's going to be down the line. That's going to be a problem for you with the UCB style of improv. Because yeah. That's is a lot of what happens on Harold Knight. You know, you see those scenes that tend to be the stronger scenes are those scenes where people are really pulling uh, clear premises from the from their openings. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that there there aren't great organic scenes or scenes that start from half an idea. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's something that should ever hold you back um, in a show situation. But when you're rehearsing and stuff like that, to be trying to practice that skill of initiating with premise, I I definitely think it's a good skill to develop for sure. And there's a certain point where, you know, uh, it's, it is absolutely uh, okay to initiate with half an idea, but I think at some point, if you're really serious about improv, you should really start challenging yourself to initiate with a premise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. You know what? Actually, I was just thinking about, as you said, Harold Knight, I don't, there aren't a lot of shows to be, really honest that come up i mean that are are more based on being organic or like falling into stuff i mean mm-hmm. a lot of interview style shows ask hat like harold knight those are those are all pretty the idea is like you're coming with the premise i'm trying to think like of who would do something a little bit more organic like i think like maybe half of shows like i think like some maybe convoy probably and yeah definitely i know there are quite a few that do and actually i really prefer to start with from nothing. Really? Yeah, I, I prefer it because I think that, um, I don't know, I think it's just more fun to discover a game organically in the moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's more fun for the improvisers on stage and for the performers in the audience, but that's just a personal preference thing. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that I've seen absolutely hilarious shows that are based off of premise initiations and openings and stuff, you know. Cool. Um, I just, I prefer to do organic scenes, I think. Okay, so two so two things that uh, everybody who's listened should know this is 100 percent endorsed by you is uh, don't ever start a scene with an idea uh, and you don't have to have any ideas going to scenes just do whatever you want yeah absolutely great yep. Yep, yep, uh, yep. I'm glad I'm glad we're covering all this yep. stuff um, <laughs> yeah by the way do whatever the hell you want <laughs> do you want. don't that's none of this you should take all of this with an absolute grain of salt yeah um. Do you do you, uh let's see I was going to I was going to ask this one but I feel like we've kind of hit this thing a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, Greg. Yeah. 
I've I realized that everything I wanted to talk to you about is kind of like about you being all like an actor. That's okay. It's you not can, okay. It's you not can okay. ask me those questions. Uh, do you do you have do you have a? Let's see. You mentioned like people have like a, a pi- like you mentioned the Billy thing with pirate ninja mm-hmm. robot. Um, great idea, Billy. You're a genius. Um, do you have do you have a thing that you feel like you bring to your teams or do you? Yeah. Do you uh, have like? I don't know. I that. think I'm. I, I. I think that I do focus probably a lot on believability. I've been doing that a lot lately. Yeah. Just on a very, and I think that's just a very basic thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that that's almost before before game, and this comes from in the setup of the scene. You know, like when you're doing an organic scene or a premise based scene. Um, you you have to develop a context for that scene. You know, you've got to eventually f- figure out who you are, where you are, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And but one of the ingredients that I think is essential for a scene is believable. Like, do I buy this? And that's the thing that I think takes people out of scenes because you'll find sometimes that you'll see scenes where there is kind of a game, but there's something happening that you just don't buy. Like, you don't buy the way these characters are being portrayed, or you don't mm-hmm. buy something about the scene uh, and then it kind of takes you out of it and I think that's the one thing that'll get you know as an audience member will get you looking at your watch yeah. is if you don't believe what's happening mm-hmm. and there are a number of factors that come to play in making a scene believable um, but I think that that is that's probably the first the, the foremost thing in an improv scene is that it be believable in some way yeah, yeah. goodbye that um, is there anything that you, uh, I mean, you're, you're a fairly experienced improviser, you've been around for a while. Uh, is there anything that you uh, are actively, like, challenging yourself with these days? Or, like, or is there anything where you're just like, I, I gotta be better at playing? Yeah, I think um, it's always easier to do that kind of stuff when you're working with a coach. Sure. And right now, uh, I haven't been working with a coach, you know, off Harold Knight, you mm-hmm. um, I haven't been working with uh, a team that's been, you know, sort of rehearsing with a coach. Uh, but I think I am going to be doing um, a show with a team where we will start rehearsing with a coach again. And I always usually will leave that kind of stuff to a coach, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like somebody from the outside can see that a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will sometimes think, like, if I come out of a scene and go, man, I have, like, for example, as we were talking about before when I was doing a lot of like, yep, I'm just going to react like me in scenes. And then it became a lot of me calling out shit and not being really committed to the scene and kind of commenting on it. Yeah. Uh, and when I realized that I was, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I'm yeah. going to work on not, not doing, doing that. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there are definitely things that come up, uh, that I try to work on occasionally. Like I think, um, most recently, uh, I've been thinking about doing, trying to do more out there character work, but still making it very believable. Yeah. Because um, I think I did a lot of that stuff early on, but it wasn't very believable early on. Right. And I think like, I don't know, maybe I'm older, a little, little wiser now. <laughs> be able to pull it off. Pull it off, yeah. Um, um, you did, you did, uh, uh, did a lot of sketch, and I... I'm trying to remember the name. Something about 
Quiet, quiet library. Mm-hmm. Mm. Quiet library. Yes. Uh, and I feel like you guys did like a lot of topical stuff, uh, and it was pretty funny. Uh, but it, it was also hard to remember like the context of a lot of things. <laughs> right, right. Well, it was years ago. <laughs> it was um, a while back. Yep, and people tend to forget that pop culture topical shit. Yeah. Because uh, why? Why do you want to remember that stuff? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Quiet library was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, is there is there is there a thing is there a payoff that you felt like you had in doing sketch, uh, even at the time for helping your improv or helping your life? Like, was there little? Yeah, I think it helps a lot to do um, to do sketch uh, simultaneously with improv because um, I formed uh, Quiet Library or we formed Quiet Library out of like one hundred one two hundred one improv students yeah uh, when we started it and it definitely helped to be able to sit down and mull over a single game for you know days in a sketch yeah just getting all the beats right and making sure that the structure of this game was right um it certainly helped with improv Uh, you just get to think about game more in depth um and to sort of fine-tune games in a way that you don't get to do in improv yeah uh and i think that that it helped a lot and we got we got uh we got a lot better faster because of it i think so as improvisers and as sketch writers yeah um i think they both complement each other very well sure um but we yeah we started putting up sketch shows um all we were performing wherever we could in new york and then we had our show i think we had a show that ran for about about like eight months, I think, in New York. Pretty good, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And then we we just started like throwing stuff up on YouTube. And before we knew it, we had like, I think we have like 40 shorts up there now or yeah. something. Um, but again, we I don't think we've done a short in... It's been a while. It's been like two years yeah. or something since we've done one. Um, and we've all kind of moved on yeah. to other stuff. It's all right. Yeah. Things happen. Um I want to try to figure out how to articulate this question. Uh, when you, okay, so you're doing sketch, and uh, I feel like I, when I write sketch, uh, I enjoy coming up with the idea, and I enjoy coming out with the beats, uh, and then I write it, and then I it dies. Like, to me, it just is dead. Because uh, I'm like, I don't have any more ideas for beats. Mm-hmm. I don't. And then and then by the time like I, I give it to anybody to read, or like, which is, you know, will be like a, the day of, mm-hmm. I was like, I hate this. I don't know if it's any good. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely get too close to stuff, you know, to the point where you're like, oh, I don't even know if this is funny anymore. Yeah. Um, and I guess the true test of whether or not it's funny or if it works is you've got to put it up. You yeah. Can, people have to see it performed. Um, that's why I think shows like, uh, is it Shabby out here where they yeah, do? Uh, not shabby, yeah. yeah. Uh, not Too Shabby is great. Like, I, if you want to do sketch, you should be writing sketch and putting stuff up at Shabby all the time. Yeah. Um, because I've had, I've certainly had experiences where I've written sketches and like, I think it's hilarious. And then even I'll, you know, we'll read it. We would read it in the quiet library room. People would be like, this is hilarious. And then we'd do it on stage to crickets. Yeah. So you really don't know how a sketch is going to go yeah. until you actually get it up in front of people. Um, but I also think you get better at knowing what's going to hit and what won't as you write more and more sketch. Yeah. And you just have to get used to the fact that you're going to be revising a whole lot. If yeah. you're going to be a writer in general, you're going to be revising way more than you think you yeah. have to. That's so sad. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I did. I, I wrote a sketch last week, two weeks ago, uh, and I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever written. Uh, it's going to murder in this class. Like, uh, like I have to prepare myself for all the congratulations I'm going to get. <laughs> and it yeah, went so, down. So you kept your expectations pretty well, which is good. Yeah. So hard. There's no laughs. At <laughs> uh, like any point. Like at any point. And I couldn't believe Like I'm just like waiting. I'm like, Did you, are you guys hearing this? Because I'm hearing it. <laughs> Did you pull the move of going, you're not really reading it right. You're not really, can I? Uh, I want, like, I, I felt like, but I'm like, no, I mean, the words, I mean, it's not, there wasn't anything special about it. But yeah, I went to, and then, and then the teacher kind of just was like, uh, I don't like sketches like this. I mean, you could try, but it's just sort of like, why would you do it? <laughs> I, was just like, I just like buried my head. Like, All right, man, burn that one. Uh, so I just want to share my heartbreak with you. Yeah, um, I mean that that's <laughs> that is very common among yeah. sketch writers. I'm sure uh, most people who write sketch have a story very similar to that. So heartbreaking. Um, so uh, I guess we're getting close to the end. I wanted to. Uh, you've talked about bridesmaids a lot, wasn't it great? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It great. was great. It was cool. a wonderful uh, experience, and all those people were awesome. Have they have they decided to give you bridesmaids too, where it's focused on uh, the cup, the spouses yeah, of yeah, the yeah. bridesmaids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be yeah. Bridesmaids two will be bridesmaids two. The, the guys. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we're we're in talks right now. I'll see. I'm debating whether no. Uh, I'm not throwing enough money. At um, me. No, I, I felt very fortunate to have a very you know a small part in a really great, awesome movie. Yeah, uh, it was great, and there was a lot of improv done. Uh, on set and in the, the whole audition was improvised. Uh, when I went in, it was supposed to be one line. It was one line on the page, and I was like, "All right, fine. This is a great <laughs> movie, a great opportunity. I'd love to have one line in this movie." And then I ended up improvising with Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig mm-hmm. uh, in the room for like ten minutes, and it went great. And I remember walking out of that room thinking. Wow, I don't think I can do much better than that in an audition. Sure. So if I didn't book that, it's just because I didn't, I don't look like what they're looking for or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did book it and I had a great time. And it was, and my friend, uh, actually Ellie Kemper is in that movie and we were, yeah, she was here. We were on Fawn together for, yeah. uh, in New York. Um, and it was crazy. We, I couldn't believe it when I was like, oh my God, we're in the same movie together. It's cra- and we're playing husband and wife. That's nuts. It's like bad. That's a. It's, being being fake married to Ellie Kemper would probably be one of the happiest experiences. Ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right, so uh, last, last thing, uh, this is the pearls of wisdom segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, uh, have you ever gotten a note or some feedback that particularly landed with you? Something that really resonated or kind of changed, or kind of one of those like click into place moments or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Was, um, or something that you teach. I had a number of them in. I've taken up quite a few Besser workshops. Yeah, and I had a number of those moments. You have, can you do a Besser impression when you tell us what it is? No, okay, I don't really do a Besser impression. Damn but um, uh, I had. Uh, I was doing a workshop where I think I was still in my like character, come in with a character voice or some funny accent phase, and I walked into a scene where we had done an opening. I think we'd done a pattern game or something like that, and a guy initiated a scene and he had a clear premise initiation. And I came into the scene with just my crazy character voice, mm-hmm. basically ignoring his initiation and not even, you know, 10 seconds into the scene, Besser was like, okay, stop. What are you doing? 
and he was looking at me, and I was like, uh, uh, I improv. Didn't see that, <laughs> you know? And he was like, well, did you hear what he said to you? And I said, I, I think I lied, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, what did he say? <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh, shit. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he said. <laughs> and he went, great, repeat what he, repeat what you said. And then he gave me the initiation, and I was immediately like, oh, that's a funny premise. I wish I'd been listening and paying attention to that. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was one of those – and he immediately, I think, had me sit down. He was like, sit down. And I sat down in the class and I was like, okay, <laughs> oh boy. Um, but it was oh, – I, I learned that lesson for sure. I definitely learned that lesson of like listen to the <laughs> – fucking initiation that someone has just said to you in the scene um yeah that was uh that's got to be like one of the most like hearts like your heart sinks moments ever just here having that that happened twice to me in (laughs) workshops i remember once uh a guy i did a scene in a workshop where a guy came out and just started like pretending he was i don't know what he was doing just moving his hands back and forth like he was working on like a uh table saw like a table saw or something And I just came out and started mirroring him. Mm-hmm. And we were just doing that for like 10, 15 seconds. And Fesser again went, stop. stop. <laughs> what is this? What is this? And I was like, I don't know. I thought he had an... He goes, so? Somebody's got to say something. Because he just went, sit, sit, sit down. He's <laughs> like, that kind of stuff will never get on the UCB stage. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but he's absolutely right. Like, yeah. why are you standing there and just doing fucking table saw motions for 15 seconds without saying anything? Yeah. That's silly. Yeah. Say something. I think we've all done Doesn't that. Matter. Put like, put a little too much trust into somebody like starting to do something. You're just sitting there watching them. Yeah. It's like, this is quiet. Please. Yeah. God, and it's me. especially silly in organic scenes where, you know, like it doesn't matter yeah. what you say. You don't have to have some brilliant premise or anything. Just say something. You're going to guess and and figure out whatever the hell is going on in this scene. You're going to build it together. So don't put that much pressure on yourself. It's silly. It's true. Yeah. Absolutely right. Um, well, Greg, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, do you have anything that you want to share with uh, the listening audience, things you want to plug? Uh, do you, do you want to remind them not to ever start scenes with ideas? Just anything that you want to share? Yeah. Uh, just do no, it, man. Just, uh, yeah, I guess we have a, an Only in L.A. show coming up on February 7th. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, come out and see that. Great. Thanks. Twitter, website, anything? Sure. I mean, man, I'm trying, yeah, I'm I always, trying to help you out. I'm always looking for more Twitter followers. Good. It's just my last name. Tukulescu. Just Tukulescu. Really uh, easy to super, imagine how that's spelled. Yeah. Uh, you can, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you can figure it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, sure. Please follow me on Twitter. I do not tweet often, but I love seeing new followers pop up. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> All right, Greg, thank you so much. Thanks. You are... The best. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, everybody. I hope that was enlightening. Greg's really wonderful, and you can check him out doing a show at UCB Theater LA. Uh, it's called Only in LA, and it's on February 7th, uh, and you can find future dates at uh, ucbtheater.com. Also, if you want to catch me do a show, I'll be performing with my group Trenta at Hot Improv Nights, February 10th at 11 o'clock, uh, and that's at the Little Modern Theater. Uh, as always, Please feel free to leave feedback, subscribe in iTunes, rate in iTunes, um, you know, give me hugs, whatever. Uh, until next time, happy improvising. Hi, Sex and the City fans. Megan McKeever here. Check out my podcast, Cosmos and the City, where I'll be watching through the entire series of Sex and the City with a slew of fabulous guests. 
guests. Each week, we'll be talking through everything from who wore what and why to the hottie of the week. So grab a drink and join me on my journey. Thanks, and be sure to subscribe to Cosmos and the City in iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.